Good to hear uh, voices singing together today. It was good to be together last Sunday. A number of you, I know, it was a holiday weekend, so some of you were away last Sunday. We just had a Sunday of just lamenting in our singing, acknowledging that the world around us is broken and we're hurting and we're tired and we're worn out. We looked together at the book of Lamentations chapter 3 and it was just a good a good Sunday to be together. Good day yesterday, a memorial service here for Steve uh, yesterday morning, and, uh, and it's good to be together again today. Um, I'm glad that, so our church had its 40th birthday uh, in March, um, and uh, glad that in that 40 plus years, a lot of things have changed if you think about life over 40 plus years. A lot of things have changed, but I'm so grateful uh, that our church throughout that whole time has just remained committed uh, to the gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed through the Word of God. Uh, and that's been just a constant uh, throughout that time. I'm grateful. Like, we don't have these, you know, massive visions of, like, we're going to plant this many churches by this year and have this many people. Like, uh, our vision is just, we just, we want to know Christ and we want to make Him known. We want to be a church molded by God's Word, motivated by God's glory as we make disciples throughout God's world. So, so we've been clear on that over time. Uh, it was about ten and a half years ago when our family first came to Iowa Falls. I was being considered as a candidate for the, pa- the position of pastor uh, of this church. Our kids were pretty little at that time, and we got to stay in Bob and Carol Reekin's home. It was easier with little kids to stay in a home rather than a hotel, and I'm grateful we got to do that. And so that weekend involved lots of different gatherings and with different groups of people gathering here at the church, gathering in people's homes. Sometimes the kids would come with us, and sometimes they would stay there at Bob and Carol's. Uh, Our middle son, Isaiah, was about three at the time, and he was just having a blast, playing in somebody else's house, playing with their toys, meeting all these people. He was just having fun. But a little, like, I think it was like three days into it, Isaiah just, we had told Annika, who was older at the time, she was five or six, and so we had talked to her about why we were coming to this town. But we're three days into it when Isaiah's just having a blast and he just looks at us, just out of the blue, he just pauses what he's doing and he looks at us and he says, guys, what are we doing here anyways? Like, it's a good question, buddy. Uh, you're like, who are all these? Like, this is fun, but what are we doing here anyways? And so, so when I came to be the pastor, then the church eventually said, yeah, this seems to be the direction God is leading. We got to know the church. The church got to know us, and we, we fit. And so, so God put us here. The first sermon series that I preached then in January of 2013 was called, What Are We Doing Here? Just trying to figure out, what is it that we're doing here? I just went through some foundational passages in my life uh, that were going to shape me, that have shaped me, and then uh, that I think will shape the church as well. And those turned into a vision statement, which I just read a little bit ago. It's on our bulletin every Sunday. We are increasingly, we desire to become a church increasingly molded by God's Word, motivated by God's glory as we make disciples throughout God's world. And the mission statement It's one that the church has held on to for a long time, even before I was here, and that's very simple. We are here to know Christ and to make Him known. And so at a time of the year where a lot of our activity that happens, uh, run by a lot of volunteers who give a lot of their time to do it, we're, we're scaling back for a couple of months over the summer. It's good to scale back and then step back and say, okay, what are we doing here anyway? Like there's a lot of activity, but what are we doing here Anyway, 
So that's what we're going to do. We're taking a break from looking at verse by verse, walking through the gospel according to Luke. And in the month of June, we're going to look at our vision and our mission. One, one time, sorry, every week looking at one passage, okay? So uh, you'll see at the front of your bulletin the passage for this week, 2 Corinthians 3, 12 to 18. That's not what I'm preaching. Actually, Pastor Nick picked all the songs to go along with that passage, and then I'm not preaching it. Uh, but what I'm going to preach instead, a number of different circumstances, God was just leading me to a different passage to preach this week. And when I say passage, I really mean verse. We're going to look at one verse together this morning, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. So go ahead and turn there, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to cover today part one of our vision, becoming a church molded by God's Word. It's good for us to just step back and ask, what kind of church do we want to become? Do we want to become a, a young church? Do we want to become an old church? Do we want to become a busy church, a big church? Do we want to become a small church? Do we want to be a friendly church, an influential church, a relevant church, a hip and trendy church, a traditional church, all sorts of different things that we could use to describe our church. But when I think about what we want to become, really those things aren't what drive us. What drives us is that we want to be a church that just becomes whatever God's Word says we should become. We want to be a church increasingly molded by God's Word. So, that's what we're going to be looking at today. That's what we're going to see, I think, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. So our custom, if you're able, is that we stand as the Word of God is read. You won't be standing very long today. Just one verse. Let me pray uh, and then read that verse. Father, thank you uh, for the privilege, as I just reflect back on on over 10 years of being able to almost every Sunday stand behind this pulpit, uh, other occasions like yesterday with a service, and be able to preach the Word. Um, I thank you for the way you've molded and shaped me by your Word in this role. I thank you that, that your Word is being taught uh, and, and used in, in all kinds of different ways for the good of building up your church as we just prayed via song. We pray that you would use your word to shape and fashion us in your likeness. That you would take your truth and plant it deep in us. We want to become a church that really is molded by your word. We want your word to dwell in us richly. And so, God, I pray that this sermon would be useful to that end to build up your church for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 God's Word says this, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Amen. You can be seated. So, inside your bulletin... Uh, is, is a sermon notes page, and I did that uh, later in the afternoon Friday after I had changed my mind and done this passage. So that inside there is correct, and that might be useful for you as we walk through it today. So we're jumping into Colossians. Uh, Colossians is a letter, four chapters is how we've divided it up, but it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in a smaller city called Colossae. 
Most of the time when Paul wrote a letter, it was to a person or to a church that he knew really well. He didn't know the church in Colossae. Paul had never been there. He had been nearby, and people there who had heard the gospel went and shared the gospel in Colossae, and the church was born. People in Colossae heard the gospel, and and they trusted in Jesus, and a church is born, and a church begins to grow, and the believers in the church begin to grow. And so Paul then writes them this letter to point out and to remind them, to convince them even more, that Jesus is supreme and sufficient. They don't need anything other than Jesus, and there is nothing better than Jesus. And the church in Colossae, just like every church here and now, needed to know this. And then he talks in chapter 2 about how the church is made alive through faith in Christ. The church is made alive through faith in Christ. And then when we get to chapter 3, he's trying to talk to them about what does it look like? Now that you've been made alive, you've been given new life in Christ, what does new life in Christ look like? He has this beginning, the, the, the intro, the first four verses of, of chapter 3 in Colossians are beautiful. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, right? And then he talks about putting things off. These are some things that used to kind of characterize who you were. Put those things off. You're new in Christ, and instead, put these things on. So we're in the put these things on section, verses 12 through 17, but we're just looking at One verse, verse 16. One of the things that the church is to put on if they're going to live out their new identity in Christ is, if they're going to grow to maturity in Christ, is they need to be a church that dwells, that allows the word of Christ to dwell richly in them. Okay? So that's the intro to kind of, here's where, here's some some framework, here's where we're fitting in to the book of Colossians. And, And the structure of this verse that we're looking at today really has one primary command three secondary commands, and then some, how, how are we going to do that uh, in there? So all of this in one verse. We're going to start with the primary command, and I'm just calling this, let's do this. Like, of all the things that we're going to do, the church does a lot of things, but let's do this. This is primary. Verse 16 begins this way. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the primary command in this passage. The church in Colossae is to let the word of Christ dwell in them richly. Now I should point out, word of Christ here uh, is, is broader than just like the words of Christ. Word, singular of Christ, is referring to much like you would see earlier in Colossians. Colossians 1.5 talks about the word of truth, the gospel, So you could say word of truth, you could say the gospel, you could say the word of Christ, the words about Christ. The the word of God is more generally in view here, okay? Using the phrase particularly word of Christ, but not just referring to, you know, some of you might have a red letter Bible where the words of Christ are in red. That's not what he's only referring to. He's here talking to you broadly of the word of God and the gospel that's at the center of it, okay? And he's saying, let this dwell in you richly dwell in you. Now, let me tell you a little bit about dwell, what he means by that. Dwell means to live in or to take up residence in. Some of you have guests occasionally over to your house. Maybe you share a meal with them. When they come, they might bring something to the meal, and maybe they take their shoes off, but then when they come in, they eat the meal, they leave a few dirty dishes, they put their shoes back on, and they leave your house. You maybe by the end of their time 
together with you, you hardly even recognize they're there. That's not what he means when he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. It's not like a dinner guest who shows up and then leaves. The word of Christ is to dwell, to take up residence in you. They said I could talk about it. I just talked to him on the way in. Elise Osman just moved back from college. Other people do the same thing about this time of year. When Elise took everything from her dorm room and moved back in, the Osmond house had gotten used to life without Elise living there. <laughs> Connor's nodding his head uh, violently. And all of a sudden, she comes and she again takes up residence at the Osmond house. And all of her stuff comes all over. The dynamics of the household change when someone comes to take up residence there. Right? That's what it's talking about here. Right? The word of Christ is to dwell among them richly. It's going to make an impact all over the place when it comes to live there. Dwell in you richly. One other word I need to point out in that section is the word you. Okay? The word you there, the, in proper English, which they don't speak in like Texas and stuff, in Texas they would use a word, sorry Sheena, like y'all. Right? They use that word, and that is the perfect word to use here. But our English translations don't do that. We don't put y'all in an English translation. But if we did, this would be a place where it would show up. When it says, dwell in you richly, it's not saying dwell in you individually and you individually. It's saying dwell in you all. It's a second person plural okay? pronoun. So, so, dwell in you all. He's not just talking about the Word of God dwelling in an individual here and there, but he's talking about the Word of God coming to dwell in, take up residence in, be central to the life of the whole church. You all. Okay? So, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's kind of fun to just go through one verse so I can like explain every little part and not just kind of go through things quickly. So, let's do this. As a church, let's do this. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. I'll talk more about what that looks like for us here in application after a bit. But I said there's a primary command, and then there's three secondary commands. What are the three secondary commands here in this passage? They all end with ing. So the main thing is let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. How are we going to do that? What are the secondary commands? This is done when, look at verse 16, this is done when we are teaching and admonishing one another. Teaching. So teaching, very simple. Teaching is to give instruction. There are truths. We can know some things about God's eternal power and divine nature by looking at what He's made. But there are truths about the character of God. There are things we need to know about who we are as humans. There are things we need to know about how sinners can be saved by a holy God. All of those things need to be taught to us from the Word of God. So the Word of Christ dwells in us richly when there is teaching. There is instruction given in what the Word says. That we would believe all that it promises and obey all that it requires, right? So we see that there in that word teaching, instruction. Now, you might... You might kind of be like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not a teacher. Notice that Paul didn't uh, at any point here in Colossians just shift and say, all right, now the rest of you can drift off to sleep for a little bit. I'm just talking to the pastors. He's not just talking to the pastors. He's talking to the church. You know where we see that? Keep reading. It says, teaching and admonishing one another. 
This, this is a work, this work of teaching is not only to be done by one or two or five or six. The work of teaching is to be done by one another. The church is to teach one another, to admonish one another. Admonish is just like more of a gentle correction. It's a recognizing in people that we know and have gotten to know well where they're thinking or, or they're Their valuing or their speaking seems out of line with God's Word. And admonishing is pointing that out in them, giving some kind of gentle correction. If you're a parent, you do this regularly in your house. We admonish children. We see a way in which their behavior or their talking or their thinking is not in line with what God's Word says, and so we teach and we admonish one another. This is to happen within the church, teaching and admonishing one another. The Word of Christ will dwell in the church richly when the whole church is engaged in teaching and admonishing one another. We'll talk again more about that in application here in a little bit. But then there's another phrase. It says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing. This might not be what you expected to come. If the church is to allow the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly, we're to teach, we're to admonish, and we're to sing. Now, I don't know what translation you're using. We usually use the ESV in our church. There's other good translations as well. The Christian Standard Bible and NIV actually translate this, that we're doing teaching and admonishing one another. They use the word through singing. The ESV doesn't have that word, but through singing. If you use the New American Standard, it says with singing. So the way in which the church is to teach and admonish one another is through singing, with singing. Is that the way we normally think about singing? Not usually. Well, like when you came and you joined other people's voices in singing songs here this morning, you might not have thought of those words as I am using these words to teach and admonish one another. We're teaching and admonishing one another through singing, with singing. Ephesians 5 makes it even more explicit. In Ephesians 5, Paul, same author, wrote this, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So yes, we are singing ultimately to the Lord, but there's also a sense in which we are addressing one another in our singing. Congregational singing is a Really good thing. Happened in the first century church, continues to happen in our church today. And here, this is shown as one of the means by which the church teaches and admonishes one another. And he uses these three different words to talk about singing. Psalms, probably referring to just singing the psalms from the scriptures. Hymns, those were more modern words written to, I mean, especially if you think about first century church. If they're only singing the psalms, the psalms are pointing ahead to Christ, but they were also making up their own hymns that more explicitly shared the gospel, right? So they're singing hymns, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Spiritual songs probably refers to more spontaneous kind of songs coming out from the Holy Spirit dwelling in people, okay? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So all kinds of different songs sung together by the church to teach and admonish one another in order that the Word of Christ might dwell in the church richly. You sticking with me? I'm seeing most people sticking with me, or at least you're pretending. But there's a couple phrases we haven't covered yet. 
you maybe noticed that I skipped over them. And they're the how phrases. Okay, if we're to teach, admonish, sing, we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, how do we go about that? Well, we go about that, there's a couple of descriptors here. And so in this way, teaching and admonishing should be done with all wisdom. Do you see that there in verse 16? Verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. We need to, as we teach, ask God that God would give us wisdom in our teaching because it is very possible to teach things that are false. It's very possible to teach things that are just unhelpful. It's very possible to teach things that are confusing to other people. And so we need to teach and admonish in all wisdom. Admonish. It's really possible, again, to admonish incorrectly. Parents, we know this, right? You can, you can use harsh discipline, unfair accusations, abuse. All these things are very possible, and so we need to admonish in all wisdom. Ask God. God, help us as we teach. God, help us. Give us wisdom as we admonish. The Word of Christ dwells in the church richly when the church teaches and admonishes one another with all wisdom. And then there's another phrase, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So it's saying something about how we should sing. Thankfully, it doesn't say anything about like how we should sing like you know, this tone, this key. Uh, some of us might be disqualified. Like, oh no, that's a requirement? No, the only requirement here we see about singing is that you're doing it with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It's not a, it's not a vocal cord requirement. It's not a like auditory requirement. It's a heart requirement. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's what's important. Right? Not whether you can get that high or that low or whether you're on the right note at all. doesn't matter nearly as much as what's going on in the heart. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. So, we've got, we've got all of that. The church dwelling, letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. That comes about when the church teaches and admonishes one another, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in a certain way, with gratitude or thankfulness in your hearts to God, and doing the teaching and admonishing with all wisdom. All right, so that's, that's the passage. Hopefully that's more understandable as we broke it down like that. Now I want to apply it. Now we're going to take the Word of God, the Word of God now understood. We want it to come and to impact our minds and our hearts. So let's Let's dig a little bit deeper. Let me first just share the commitment of our leaders. The commitment of the leaders in this church, including myself, is we want to be people in whom the Word of Christ dwells richly. We can't lead a church to be people in whom the Word of Christ dwells richly if we're not individually people within whom the Word of Christ dwells richly. And this is what we want for the church. We're not, we're not a whole bunch of like businessmen trying to grow an organization, right? We're shepherds seeking to see a church grow toward maturity in Christ through becoming people in whom the Word of Christ dwells richly. How do we do that? What does that look like practically in the church? Well, one, this is a commitment I have as I preach the Word of God. 
the center part of what we do when we gather together on Sunday morning. I've put time and work. Next week, Pastor Nick is going to preach. We put time and work into preaching the Word of God. I preach what is called expository sermons. When I came here as your pastor, that's what I wanted to do, but I hadn't had it modeled for me, and I didn't really know how to do it. Pastor Nick talked about those Simeon Trust expository preaching workshops we go to. Super helpful for me, and I keep going back every year because I still need more and more help. But all an expository sermon is, is a commitment to say, I don't want to come to you like, hey, I got some ideas. And look at Scripture I think kind of supports me a little bit in that. No, I come to you with the Word of God, under the authority of the Word of God, studying it in my office and getting to a point where I see, okay, I think this, I'm pretty, pretty sure that this is what God's Word has to say, so I want the content of this text and the tone of this text to be the content and tone of the sermon. Okay? That's what expository preaching is. That's a commitment that we have here. It usually works best if we go through book by book, verse by verse, right? Or in the, in the case of today, we occasionally take a break and just go through one verse or one passage separated from the rest of the book. But usually we go verse by verse in book by book format. So the preaching uh, is going to be central to the Word of Christ dwelling in us together. But that's not it. Right? Thanks be to God that this is not the only time where the Word of Christ dwells richly in this church. Taking a break right now from Sunday school, but man, I'm so grateful for our Sunday school teachers and the solid curriculum that, that is being used that the Word of Christ might dwell richly in our kids. I'm thankful for our Awana program. Like if you think about what happens in Awana, the central key part of Awana is Bible memorization. We want the Word of Christ to dwell richly in people not just this high, but people this high. Right? The Word of Christ, we want it to dwell in us richly. As Pastor Nick leads youth group, it's not just like, hey, let's just have some fun in games and with a little, you know, little devotional. He's teaching them scripture in order that the Word of Christ might dwell in us richly. This first principles class that Nick was announcing earlier for women this summer, that, that the Word of Christ might dwell in us richly. Even our singing, and this, you know, like you just come and, you, and you, there's words on the screen and then we sing them together. Probably most of you not knowing the work that goes into during the week, song selection. Not just the song selection for that week, but even just like the song selection of what's going to be in our library and what's not. Are we just kind of going based off of like, you know, what's most popular right now? What are they singing on the radio? Let's sing that. We instead want to choose songs that are useful for teaching and admonishing the church. Right? For, for building us up in the Word of God. So I'm so grateful for all of the ways in which the Word of Christ starts to infiltrate and impact all that we're doing as a church. That's the commitment that we have as leaders, selecting songs in that way, uh, choosing curriculum for Sunday school, preaching the Word of God, but I don't want you to say, man, I'm so thankful that our church does that, and by our church you mean the leaders in our church. You can be thankful, hopefully you are thankful, that the leaders in the church are committed to that, but I want us to recognize this. These things are the responsibility of the whole church. These things are the responsibility of the whole church. We, together, have responsibility in allowing this to be a church in which the Word of Christ dwells richly. That's the responsibility of all of us. And it's so important for us to become a church molded by God's Word because we live in a world 
that's getting wackier and wackier every day. Right? And, and so, so you think about all that standing against us as we try to be a church. Like, that, that's a bold statement, that we want to become a church more molded by God's Word. The world that we live in has all sorts of narratives out there about what is good and what is true and beautiful. And more and more, what the Bible says is good and true and beautiful is very different from what our world says is good and true and beautiful. So if we just kind of like are on autopilot, our autopilot's going to kind of drift towards thinking the way the world thinks, valuing what the world values. And so we need to be actively at work. It's our responsibility collectively that we're actively at work to fight against that. By, by soaking ourselves, immersing ourselves in the very Word of God that we might not drift and, be, and become thinking, acting, speaking, and valuing as the world does. We also need to acknowledge we've got our own flesh standing against us. How many of you would, don't raise your hand? You don't have to. I mean, maybe you can. You can be lazy and undisciplined at times, right? And, and so this idea of letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly requires time in the Word and it's way easier for us to spend time on our phone uh, than it is to spend time in the Word. We also have an enemy. It's good to acknowledge we have an enemy, the devil, who stands against us. He prowls around, it says in, in 1 Peter 5, like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's scary, and it should be. Right? That, that, that the enemy would love for us to be so deceived and distracted that we don't spend any time allowing the Word of Christ to mold who we are, how we think. So, we must let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, and there's a whole bunch standing against us, so how do we do it? Let me just say this. I think it starts small. It starts individually. It's not individual only, but it starts individually. Are you, just simple basic question, are you reading the Word of God? Is this a daily practice of yours? Do you have a plan? Just That's my encouragement. Follow a plan of some sort. Set a time. Stick to it. And if you get behind, just do it again the next day. Don't expect, here's another thing I think I should say. Don't expect to have a mind-blowing epiphany every day. Like, you know, some, sometimes you hear other people talk about, I had this time in the Word, and it was so rich, and it just, like, it just built me up. Sometimes you're going to spend some time in the Word and be like, well, I don't know what that accomplished. That's okay. Keep doing it anyway. Right? Uh, here, here's, here's an illustration. Uh, I brought stuff for an illustration for this. Uh, I heard somebody else share something like this that made me think, dwelling on this a little bit more, I think this might be helpful. i got a couple of rocks. You can maybe see them from where you are. You maybe can notice a difference. There's a difference in size in these two rocks, but there's also a difference in shape. This rock over here has lots of bumps, holes, and jagged edges. It was found near the parking lot of our building right here. This stone has no jagged edges, no real bumps or holes or anything like that. It's smooth. Guess where I found this one? Down by the riverbank, right? Now, what happened is, so if, 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 this is, if we wanted this rock to become, maybe this rock here once looked like this rock. I don't know. I wasn't around, right? But if we wanted this rock to look a little more like this rock, what would not work is occasionally taking this rock and walking down to the river and spending maybe half an hour a week just holding it in the water. And we take it back out like, oh, 
looks you know, it's wet, but other than that, it kind of looks the same, right? But this rock that spent however many decades down by the river with water flowing over it over time in ways that were probably not noticeable day to day, eventually had some of the, the bumps and jagged edges smoothed over, and it looks much different than it probably did decades ago. That picture, that, that picture is maybe helpful in us recognizing, as I spend time in the Word, it might not be every single sermon. It might not be every single day that I'm spending time in the Word. It might not be every time our family gathers together for some form of family worship or devotions. Maybe not every time do I notice, oh, that was awesome. I'm totally different now. But being down by the riverbank uh, with the Word of God just kind of flowing over us for years, for decades, God will use that to shape and mold us according to his word. And so I encourage you to do that. Do that on your own. Do that in your family. Husbands, just read a little bit of scripture and pray with your wife if you're not doing that. If you, if you have the opportunity to live with other people, if you've got kids with you in your home, take advantage of that opportunity. Don't just like run around doing stuff and getting stuff done all the time. Just spend a few minutes, set out a time in the morning. You know, like we try to do that. Sometimes we just miss it. Like that's reality, but don't give up. Just keep trying. Let's get together. We need, to, we need to look at the Word of God. That might spark some discussion. God might use that just over time uh, to shape and mold and fashion us according to His likeness. So it starts little. It starts in the home. It starts alone. It starts with your family if you get to live with other people. But it also happens in the church. So we teach and admonish one another. This summer you might get asked as we start to fill roles for next school year, you might get asked to step up and teach. One of the best ways to grow and be molded by God's Word is to take on the responsibility of teaching it to other people. If you get asked, consider before saying, no, I'm busy, consider maybe saying yes. Right? In relationships, you know, I think where this admonishing happens, sometimes I admonish like into a microphone. Sometimes like maybe a Sunday school teacher would admonish, but a lot of the admonishing, the gentle correcting, that's going to happen in a smaller context. It's going to happen in your life groups. It's going to happen when you're having summer suppers together. It's going to happen in mentoring relationships. It's going to happen in friendships. We teach and admonish one another. And then we sing. We sing together. For the word of Christ to dwell richly in the church, the church needs to sing together. We're teaching and admonishing one another. So as you're singing, no, yes, I'm making melody to the Lord with thankfulness in my hearts to God, but I'm also addressing the others. I'm also teaching. And so that means you need to sing loud enough for other people to hear you. And they really don't care if you can't do it awesome or not. Just sing loud. That's one of the responsibilities we have is we're going to sing for the good of building up the body, not grumbling because, well, I don't like that song or that style or that instrument or whatever it might be. Like, I'm singing with thankfulness in my heart to God because I'm singing the truths of the gospel, the truths coming from the Word of God. This is, this is a good gift. I want us to become a church more and more molded by God's Word. It starts small. It gets, it's at all levels. It requires all of us to do all that kind of work. If we're going to engage in the outward parts of our mission that we'll talk about in future weeks, we really need to focus also on this inward part, becoming a people molded by the Word of God, a grounding in the gospel of Jesus Christ that will grow us to maturity. 
One of the ways that we express our unity together as one body on mission together is by taking communion. We're going to do that here in a moment. We're actually going to look back one verse at Colossians 3.15 to help prepare us for that. But for now, let's close this time, this part of the service uh, in prayer because we can't become a church molded by God's Word. We can't become a church in whom the Word of Christ dwells richly without His help. So let's pray uh, and then we'll move on to communion. Father, we're, we're grateful. We're grateful that you've spoken. Your words have great power. We know that by looking at the world you created, like you spoke and the world, the universe was created. But we thank you that we can learn something about your eternal power and divine nature through what you've made, but we're really grateful that you've given us your written word in which you reveal yourself, in which your gospel is made clear. And we just confess that we are sometimes lazy, we're easily deceived, we're too distracted, but we want to be people, single people, moms, husbands, dads, kids, we want to be a church in whom your word dwells richly. We want your word to be what comes out when we get squeezed. We want to be like stones smoothed out and molded over time by the constant current of the living water. As we were saying earlier, would you take your truth and plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness. Help us to become a church increasingly molded by your word. And now would you draw us together, draw us to yourself as we take communion together as one body now in Jesus' name. Amen.